Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Okay? Yeah, you are actually allowed to talk behind the masks. You just can't shout out. So, you know, that's, that's a bit of a revelation. So, I'll ask you again. Are you doing okay? Everybody's fine. Great. It really is great to be with you uh, today. And there's some lovely familiar faces that I'm getting to know as well, which is lovely. And uh, because we're all one, aren't we? Even though, you know, maybe that I'm coming through with David and Jeanette just, just once a month. I really do uh, love uh, what God is doing here. And I want to encourage you in your pioneer journey. Pioneering for me is the most exciting thing. I was born to be a pioneer, really. I just love um, being in context. And I was just saying to Dave, just before the service, I was, I was invited to go and uh, speak on something. And there were eight people. And I preached like there were 800. Honestly, I, was, I just went for it. I was just not bothered. And uh, I want to encourage you to have that kind of spirit. That whether there's many of you or whether there's few of you, the fact remains is you're here in the room. You're here in the, with, with God amongst us. And we're in an area that we're seeking to just lay down foundations and roots, aren't we, in this town that will be long-lasting and effective for generations to come. Can I raise a yes? And so that's what we're about here today. And even this word, even the worship, and thanks to Andy for leading us. Again, he led us, and Dave led us like there were hundreds here. And it's just fantastic. And uh, we want to just encourage you with that. We're in a series called This Is... The vision. Just give me a wave if you've been listening to it coming or online. Just fantastic. So, you know, we've been working through a number of different elements to it. I want to help you to understand in Belper, our overarching uh, vision in Arena Church is to go and to grow and to love and serve our world. That is, in essence, what this series flows out of. We want to be people who forever go with the gospel. We want to grow, not just numerically, but in ourselves as a disciple. And we want to go and love, and we want to, we've heard that this morning, we want to go and serve, demonstrate to our world. Yes, that is what we were about. If somebody asks you, what is Arena Church? What is Arena Church Belper all about? It's to go and grow and to love and serve our world. So you may ask, well, what is this and the vision? Because you've been looking at four Ps, and we have. And these are things that we're working through this year. There are heightenedness. There are some things that, you know, just get heightened in you. You think, I've got, to, I've got to give some attention to this. And of course, we've looked at people. Everything is around people. It really is. Thank God for the fantastic building that we have here in Belper and the work that's going on out there in buildings and some of the frustrations even. Some of you know what I'm talking about with cabins and you're setting things up ready for when we really are open and welcoming people in. David and Jeanette are talking to me about Christmas and the plans that they've got and some of the plans that they've got because we want to draw people in. We want to reach people. It's all about people. Never, never lose sight of that. People can be incredibly irritating, can't they? Hey, Have you ever worked? You know, people can be very frustrating. And I know I'm irritating. I know I'm frustrating at times. But keep loving me. Keep loving me. I need, I, need, I need a lot of love. And my mum's here and I'm delighted that she's here. I said to David, she hasn't come to check on you. She's come to keep an eye on me. <laughs> she knows what I'm capable of. Okay. But, you know, we have to keep loving one another. We have to keep, you know, being connected. So people, we want in his presence. And we believe that as his presence comes, we're touched and we carry his presence. We wanted to see his power manifest. Not because we're power hungry. 
But we believe in this, in this um, time that we're in. I really believe God wants to do some very powerful things. And don't always associate power with spectacular. Some things, the most powerful things in my life have been the most simple things. I'm realizing that probably I'm getting older. The, more, the most powerful things are often the most simple things. But God does want to come in power. And then we're believing for provision. And that's what I'm going to look at today. And I just want to bring your attention, if I may, to as we just on the, on the um, area just outside, we've got these brochures now, and I'd love you to take one. And I want to give a few opening comments, and I've already ate into five minutes of my time. But I do just want to say this to you. Because today I want to look at provision for the vision. And next week I'm going to be sharing about there is more. I've got a message that's burning in my heart that God wants us to continue to reach for the more and then we'll finish the vision series. But today, provision for the vision. Now let me say, when, as soon as you start talking about giving, generosity, stewardship, it's a very emotive subject. It, it can create a lot of issues in, in certain people or probably in all of us. And today, my uh, quest is not to be offensive by the way, if you get offended, it's to be taken. I'm, I'm, I'm not giving it to you. You're taking offence. And that is not my heart. I'm not here with belligerence. I'm not here with stubbornness. I'm not here trying to be difficult with you guys. I'm just wanting to take us on a journey. But I do unapologetically address this matter because it's just a huge issue, both in the world and in the church, with regards to money. I'd encourage you, if you're a reader, to go and get the book, The Daniel Dilemma, by Chris Hodges. The Daniel Dilemma by Chris Hodges. And in that, he addresses, it's just part of the chapter, he's taking us through the book of Daniel and how it relates to the 21st century. And in there, he addresses a God of the age that still is a God, spiritual principalities and powers that are very much larger and at work. And um, he addresses the, 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 the God of, of Mammon. I'll come to that in a moment. And it was a very real God that they worshipped, has great power, great power. It's been loosed from Satan into the world. I really do believe this stuff. I really do. I believe they're very much at large. And why do I believe it? Because I see it. I see, I've even had to work it through in my own life. How money can, the, the spirit of mammon can get hold of you. You start to just, this becomes mine. <laughs> Why is it that you don't have to teach a child to, to take hold of theirs? And what do they often say? Mine, mine, mine. My mum and I have got a funny story about that with my son running around, you know, and holiday accommodation, he's stolen something from my sister. And just she's trying to get him. She was young. She was only about 17, 18. No. I don't, anyway, how old would she was be? And Isaac was only just two or three years old. And she's running after him and he's going, mine, mine, mine. Because that's how we can live our lives. And if we're not careful, we carry that through into our world. And so this for me is a massive, massive subject. So when I look at provision, I want to just say a few things. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to give a bit of an introduction. I'm then going to deal with the elephant in the room. I'm going to have to work at real pace. And then I'm going to give you three principles that will just help you. Honestly, this is a three-week, four-week series in its own right but we didn't want to give ourselves to that because of the journey that we're working through in this vision series. But when I look at provision, I'm really believing for your life and for my life that provision will flow. Now, let me just say, provision comes in different shapes and sizes. 
And when I see in the Bible, the provision is worked out, Jeanette, in different ways, and it's also in our lives. So here's some practical examples. I don't know whether, whether this has ever happened to you, but if you've ever been in need, you know, financial need, grocery need, and there's a, a provision where somebody just knocks on your door and leaves some shopping. What a wonderful part of provision that is. Or when you're sick, we recently, and I mentioned it online, we weren't very well as a family, and this man is a uh, curry monster. He's just brilliant at making curries. And uh, he just called and said, look, can we drop your curry off? It wasn't just a curry. There were like two or three curries with all the works. It was fabulous. It was just what we needed at that time. It may be that you're feeling weary, tired, stressed. You'd like a holiday, but you haven't got the finances. And somebody picks up the phone and says, I've got a caravan. I've got a, a, a cottage. I've got provision. Or it could be a lift to an appointment and you haven't got a car and you can't get the bus and somebody says, I'll take you there. These are, all, these are all parts of provision that I'm talking about. It's not just notes dropping on your envelope or money coming into your bank. Provision comes in so many different ways. And we at Arena want to continue to encourage that kind of generosity and provision. But when I look in the Bible, let me just give you two very quick examples of provision. Because of time, we're not going to have time to go through them. But in 2 Kings in chapter 4, the situation is this. There is a widow who has got some sons and her, and her husband was a prophet. And there was some debt around their lives. And in that generation, uh, generational time, they, they came to collect the debt and she didn't have the money. And so what they would do, they would carry their, the sons into slavery. And it says, let's, let's just read, read it together, shall we? That it says, um, she comes to the prophet Elisha in verse 2. And he, he says to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Because she tells him the situation. And she says, I've got nothing here at all except a very small jar of olive oil. And Elisha says, go and ask your neighbours and go and collect some jars. You know the story. You know the story well. And as they brought those jars to her, he says, Lord, just shut the door behind us and go and pour the little oil that you've got into the jars until each one is filled and then go to the next one. And that's exactly what she did. And he says in verse five, sorry, verse six, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And verse seven she went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What an incredible story of provision. Now let me take you to a New Testament story in John chapter 6. Give me a wave if you've ever heard of the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah, great. And we see here in John chapter 6, there was a massive crowd. One of the uh, disciples says, look, it's going to take half a year's wages to, to sort this out. And it was a test to them. And uh, one of the disciples, um, Andrew, came and said, Lord, here's a boy with five loaves and two fishes. But then he makes this statement in verse 9. How far will they go among so many? That is our story in Arena. The guys have said to me at times, how can we do that when we've got so, so little? But we've just leaned in and we've trusted God. And even the journey of Belper, how can so few affect so many? But that is the story of God. That's what God does. That's what God does. And this is what happened. They sat down. Jesus takes the, the, the packed lunch from the little boy. He blesses it. 
And then he says, go and distribute it. Interestingly, he blesses it and then he places it in the discipleship, disciples' hands. The, dis, the miracle came from the disciples' hands, not from the hands of Jesus. It was as they distributed it. It kept multiplying. Could you imagine the, 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 the miracle? They keep going in and they're breaking it and keep giving it out. And then they look down, there's some more there. I mean, just go with me for a minute. And they get some fish and they give it. And then they look down there and there's another fish. They think, what on earth is going on here? This is the multiplication miracle that happened. And we notice here that God provided. God provided. Now, let me just give you two thoughts around this. How provision, what happened in both of these stories. I have this thing that just resonates in me. When we need provision, there's always a need. So whatever your need is, just write a need. In these two stories, there was a debt and there was hunger amongst the crowds. There is the need. But for every need, there's a seed. <laughs> for every need, there is a seed. Before we even get to the miracle, you've got to sow a seed. And what happened was, she had a little bit of a jar of oil and she was going to pour it out. And she had to go and get her neighbours involved in the miracle. They were part of the seed. And in the, this context, there was an unnamed boy who will be in heaven, I'm sure. And we don't even know his name. And he gave away his packed lunch. And he was the seed. And he sowed his packed lunch into the multitudes. And guess what happened? When the need connects with the seed, provision flows. Provision flows. But every single time, God used people. Now I do believe that God can and does use ravens. We've had supernatural occurrences over our life. Carolina could tell you, particularly in the early days and in the life of the church, Andy knows he sits on our board. We've had supernatural occurrences. I mean, I mentioned last year we had, it's nothing short of supernatural, that would be true. Just the outpouring, I don't know how, how it happened. It's just been incredible. God met us. But it all started with a need and then it flowed into a seed. And as we sowed a seed, then provision began to happen. Now, let me just read this as I've wrote it. Let me get this. Some of you are taking notes. I really want you to get this. God said to me when I was preparing this, we ask, you're asking me, we ask God for things that are in our power to do. So we, we, we pray things like, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray, but these are just some daft examples. But God, send John a lift. He needs to get to an interview. And God says, why should I do that when you have a car? You take him. <laughs> God, help this family in a time of crisis. And God says, I will, but are you going to help them by buying their groceries this week? Increasingly, I hear God say, ask me for impossible things. Not the things that are in your power to do. <laughs> Stop asking to do the things that we can do ourselves. Does that make sense? We can often ask God for things and God says, I'm interested in those things, but why are you asking me? You have the power to do that. Ask me for the impossible. They're the things and that's the place where I dwell. And if I can just say for a moment and we'll just draw it in, this is all I'm going to say. This is what this is about. The launch of this, and I have used the word exciting legacy builders. I know it's caused some disruptions in certain quarters across the campuses, and I'll come to that in a moment. But this is just basically a peer provision that just wants to bless so many. We're saying, God, please 
bring in the money. And God says, I will, and I want to, and I will do, but what about the money sitting in your bank account? Could you not use some of that? Just some of that? And that's the challenge of legacy builders. We want everybody to play the part. Now, invariably, we don't step into these things of provision and giving and stewardship because we want to embrace a life of comfort. Now, I'm not, let, let me, you guys don't, I can tell you're all wonderful. But as I speak to Arena Church, as I speak to Ilkeston and Mansfield and Toulouse and wherever, and even my own life, we can just step into a life of comfort and ease. But I've realized the Christian life is not a life of ease and comfort. It really isn't. That's why I, I laugh my head off. Let me just have a moment with you. I laugh my head off when people say, oh, it's a crutch and it's the easiest thing. Listen, this Christian walk is the toughest thing that I've ever done. Doing the right thing when everybody else is doing the wrong thing. Living with integrity when everybody's getting on with it. And it seems like those who don't live with integrity get ahead. Does that sound familiar? It's just, it's one of the toughest. And then you see, you know, people living the life and whatever. And here we are, we, we, we give him when it hurts. And then you see people who are enjoying this, that and the other. And they've got all the financial benefits. And you could be tempted to go somewhere. But I want to tell you, whilst it's difficult, it's so fulfilling. It's thrilling. I wouldn't do anything other, guys, honestly. There's been times when I've been tempted over these last 15 months. But I wouldn't do anything other because giving living with generosity is the way that we should live our lives now very quickly there are some elephants that can be in the room and I want to address those if I may and I'm going to address them very carefully and if you have any questions in all seriousness around this message then please speak to David or Judah or please speak to me email me I'll give you my personal email and I'll gladly walk it through with you I'm not here to try and persuade you. I'm just saying as I see it. But there are some attitudes that we can have towards money that I think are unhelpful. Some Christian people don't give and don't want to give. And here are some of the reasons. Number one, if you're taking notes, some people do not tithe or give because they have simply not been taught to. And I get that. So if you're one of those that you've never been taught, you don't know what tithing is, you don't know what giving is, you have no idea what I'm on about, then I really would encourage you to just lean in and talk to the guys, your pastors, and talk to others in the small group who can help you on this journey. I'm very glad that I didn't always have the greatest teaching in the church in my formative years, but I was taught this. And my first pay packet, it was given to God. And I saw it through my mum and dad. I mentioned that my mum and dad, we never had a lot, loads, we, but I always had a meal, a meal in my stomach. I always had food on my back. My mum would hate me saying this, but they, they had to work up to retirement age and beyond. But let me tell you, God always met our needs. Not always our wants, but God always met our needs. And I'm convinced about tithing because I saw some convinced tithers <laughs> and it worked for them. So that's why I do it, because I was taught to give. Secondly, some don't tithe or give because of bad teaching, erroneous teaching, excessive teaching, or, you know, um, badgering people, manipulating people. Listen, I'm not trying to do any of that. I know this man's a finance man. Bernie, I know you're a finance man, and you've seen a lot of, I guess, financial services, coercion and manipulation, and it's been all over the press. It's wrong there, and it's wrong in the church. 
I'm addressing it. I'll come on to it because it's a discipleship thing. It's not a money issue. But some don't tithe because of that. Thirdly, some do not tithe or give because of bad experiences. I have to be very careful here, and Andy's aware of this, but one of our campuses, there's a few people who have come from another church context, and they're very, very welcome because that church absolutely went to the wall. A thriving church of hundreds was gone within a matter of months, all because of this around money. And I do want to be careful, but I'm not giving away details. They were in a campaign so severe that they were encouraging people, walking them to the cash point tills to get money out of their bank to make sure that it was given. I want to tell you, we will never ever go there while I'm under my watch. That's not our spirit. That's not how we live. We don't want to be excessive. We don't want to give you room to have bad experiences. We don't want to pressure you. We don't want to bully you. You can say yes and amen. We want, we want an absolute um, um, transparency and accountability. We're not going to live with excessive spending. It's not how we live our lives. But some don't give because of bad experiences. Number four, some say, and this is really bad, I'm in control and nobody tells me what to do. And unfortunately, I've come across this attitude all too often. Let me tell you, not just in money, if that is your attitude, that's, you're not going to get along in life. And number five, some don't tithe or give simply because they refuse to do so. Some are convinced, and others don't want to be convinced. And all I will say in that is you'll miss the blessing. We do live to give. We're blessed to be a blessing. I thank God for all that he's blessed us with. Every area of my life, not just money. Everything that we have, we just want to be a blessing to others. Now, there are three kinds of givers. The flint, the sponge, and the honeycomb. To get anything out of the flint, you must hammer it. And then you only get chips and sparks. To get water out of a sponge, you must squeeze it. And the more you use pressure, the more you will get. But the honeycomb just overflows with its own sweetness. I want to tell you, we're a honeycomb church. I'm a honeycomb leader. I want to tell you that if you are not wanting to give and you're just not convinced and, you know, whatever, where you sit at this moment, you're welcome. Just go on the journey with us. And let me be clear, you can be part of our church even if you never give. I'll never personally call you up. I'll never get angry with you. I'll never be off with you. Never ever. It's just not in me to do it. But I do need you to know this. It's not me. Now there's another part. I honestly believe those who will not step into it will always live below what God has for them. Every time. I've seen it. And I know I irritate people. I know some pastor friends are irritated by me. Massively irritated. I know people in our church historically have been massively irritated by me because they've looked on and said, why is that there and there? I want to tell you, there's numbers of reasons, but one of the main reasons is we live in a life of generosity. We've sought to put God first. <laughs> and God opens doors and opportunities for those kinds of people. And he pours his blessing upon our lives. And it isn't always financial, but the blessing on your family, the blessing on your marriage the blessing on your career, the blessing on your home. It's wonderful to do it right and to do it God's way. My basic philosophy has been this, to lead a church in the area of giving over the past 21 years. Let me just give you this. Caroline and I, my wife, 
We've endeavoured to model a generosity that is attractive and compelling. So people are drawn into that. Number two, and this has been my journey, David, and I would encourage you to let this be your journey here. I ask God for money, then I ask the people just to simply obey God. So in this 120,000, I've gone to God and I said, God, I need you to pour out the windows of heaven. And all he said to me is this, I hear you, son. That's it, I hear you, son. And now I'm going to ask people to just obey God, what God's saying to you. And I also, thirdly, our basic philosophy has been this. It's not what I want from people, it's what I want for people. <laughs> so we did never take an offering. Now, we have some slips from the guys who lead. Oh, we're going to take an offering. If I'm in the service, they know what's coming. Because I'll say to them, we don't take anything. We're not taking an offering. We give of an offering. I don't want to take anything from you. Does that make sense? Everything that I have for you within this regards of provision over the last 21 years, and we've proved it, has always been what we want for, I don't know these two ladies here, it's always what I want for you, not from you. Beryl, it's not what I want, it's what I want for you, not from you. We want people to just step in to all that God has for them. Now time has gone. I told you it was, I'm just going to give you three very simple things. But I'd encourage you, if you are grappling with this, or not even grappling with it, but want to be blessed by it, I'll give you two books. You may not agree with everything in them, but the great books. Number one, The Blessed Life by Pastor Robert Morris. It's a great book. I didn't agree with everything, but I loved it. And secondly, The Gift of Giving. Now, there's a website called ABE Books, and you can get used books for about two pounds. It's brilliant. I just buy a lot of my books now from there, and it's just fantastic. And there's a little book called The Gift of Giving by R.T. Kendall. And R.T. Kendall, for 25 years, was the uh, minister of Westminster Chapel in London. It's a little book, but I tell you what, it's brilliant. It's packed with wonderful nuggets of truth. And I'd encourage you to look at those a little bit more deeply. So when we're looking at provision, let me give you three things. Number one is a discipleship thing. So just everybody say with me, money is a discipleship thing. You're not loud enough. Money is a discipleship thing. It's not a money thing. It's a discipleship thing. Now, discipleship is not just about praying and worshipping and they're great things. It's not about attending upper Zoom meetings. And again, they're great things. But it's about God changing us inside so we become more like Jesus and that also includes Sarah in the area of our giving God wants to change us in the area of our giving because the reality is some people have been brought up with um, some a brilliant view of money others an imbalanced view of money maybe because you didn't have much so you're going to keep what you have Maybe you've seen excessive spending, so that's how you've lived your life whatever but I want to tell you that God wants to change us even in the area of money And it's a discipleship thing, not a money thing. That's why I do believe, and I know some people may not, in tithe, in the tithe. Because it's a test. (laughs) It's a real test for me. Now, before you get all steamed up, I've got a friend, a really good friend, who pastors a church up north. And he doesn't believe in tithing. He doesn't believe in the principle of tithing. Me and him have had right... Get on very well with him. Lots of discussions. But let me just say this. My friend, although he may not 
grab hold of the principle of tithing, believes in giving. He actually says it's a higher standard in the New Testament. Some people have said, oh, I don't believe in tithing because it's Old Testament. And it's almost like a get-off so they can just give away what, just a little bit of something. His take on it is, look at the New Testament teaching on tithing. The churches, they gave above and beyond. They excelled in generosity out of poverty. They excelled in generosity. Acts chapter 2, what happens? There were needs. People were selling properties, giving all the money into the church. So his principle is this. He hasn't told me, but I know he far exceeds 10%. And that's what he teaches his church. And interestingly, that church is overflowing with rich generosity. So if that's your position, I don't have a problem, but don't use it as a get out of clause to just give away a little bit. I use this phrase, are you tipping or are you tithing? And by the way, it's good to tip as well when you're out on a meal. Bless them. We've been out on times, haven't we? We've, they've been, it's not a boast, they've been embarrassed with what we've given them a service. Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah, because we want to overflow even in those areas of generosity. But back to the tithe, it's a test. It really is a test. So Malachi 3 verse 8 through to 10 is real to me. Now some people say, oh Christian, I'm really not going to tithing because it's in the law. Listen, it's outside of the law. It was established before the law was even put in place. Read the early parts of Genesis we see it. So tithing is pre-law, it's in the law, and it's still essential in this area of grace in the New Testament. I really believe that generosity is a discipleship thing. Two verses that I'll give to you. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus said, seek first. You'll never come second by putting God first. And this also includes in the area of finances, and he's addressing the issues of the day clothes they wear, food that they would eat, where they would sleep. And Jesus said, don't worry about these things. Seek first my kingdom. Then all these things will be given to you as well. And Matthew 6 verse 24, Jesus says this, you can't serve two masters. You either serve me or you serve money. The God of this age, Mammon. And Mammon is a God, as I said to you, of the first century. And he's still at work in this 21st century, materialism, greed, stinginess, world in which we live and I really do believe this money mammon always tries to squeeze into our hearts into the place of God where God should be mammon tries to take its place it's okay to have money as long as money doesn't have you and by the way my confession my testimony is I like money I like having money Business is all what I was about. I was from the finance industry. That was my background. I loved it. And I've had to really go on a journey of just laying this before the Lord all the time, not allowing this to take control of me, letting him be first, front and central in my life. Can I hear an amen? It's a discipleship thing. Secondly, it's a vision thing. Time's nearly gone, but I'm just going to have to race through on David. It's a vision thing. Proverbs 11 verse 24 says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. That is a vision verse. If you live with generosity, your world opens up. That means it's full of visions and dreams and opportunities and possibilities. <laughs> but if you live with stinginess in your heart, your world gets smaller and smaller and smaller. It's a vision thing. Again, I irritate the heck out of some people. They're saying, why does that happen for you? Why do you get buildings? Why do you get campuses? Why do you... Uh, it's a vision thing. 
It flows out of a rich generosity that we have that causes through our church. We are not a perfect church by any stretch of the imagination. And I am definitely not a perfect leader. But what we try and do at the very heart of us is live with generosity. And that means our world gets larger and larger and larger. I believe in the also's of God. I believe in having a vision for our finances. So at the beginning of each year, Caroline and I are saying, is the car okay? Does it need replacing? Is it running out of steam? Now, is there any improvements that we're going to have to do? Well, last year we had to put new windows in. We didn't do it out of choice. All the windows were blown. All the glass was blown. They weren't rotting, but they were just blown. And we had to set out, we need to save some money to try and get that, the vision to, to get the, the windows done on the house. But we also lived with an also. The also was, well, what can we do to bless the kingdom of God? What can we do to give and pour out provision upon the thing that we believe in? The advancement at that point of the 2020 offering. How can we give when it hurts? We see our neighbours and what they have. And I've often said to Caroline, Caroline, if we didn't give and tithe and flow, we'd have a load more money. We could probably buy the cars that they... And then she'll look at me and I'll say, I know, sweetheart. You know, we just carry on with what we're doing. You know, but the reality is we wanted to, we want to step in to, to more. And we have a vision, not just for our personal, but also for the kingdom of God. Some people say, well, of course, the vision's taken care of by your denom- denomination. Well, I'd love to say that, but our denom- denomination doesn't even give us one pence into the vision. All the buildings, all the ministries, we have to pay for all of that. We have to finance all for that. Over the last 90 years that Arena Church has been going, God has been faithful and good. And it's come through the free will. I'll say that again. Free will offering of very, very faithful people. Do you like the music? Do you like the messages? Do you like the clean building? Do you like the ministries? Do you like the fact that we're involved in the community? Do you like the fact that we've planted a church in Belper? It costs us a lot of money to do so. Who likes all that? Just say yes or give me a wave. Yeah, that all costs money. That all costs money. And somebody's picking up the tab. And I'm very, very grateful that there's many, increasingly more and more, who are saying we like what we see. We believe in you. We believe in this vision and we're going to trust God. And thirdly, it's a trust thing. Time is really gone. Discipleship thing. It's a vision thing. It's a trust thing. I just want to say this to you. Proverbs 3 verse 9 to 10. Just write it down if you're taking notes. And basically it's a challenge. Glorify God with everything you have. Every increase that comes your way. You know why I step into provision? Because it's a trust thing. I like it. It gets me to the place where I trust God, not myself. And I'm not overly trusted. As a person, really. I, I'm, 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 I check things out. This face might look stupid, but underneath I'm checking things out, figuring things out. I can be quite, quite skeptical and cynical at times. I get that. So, in this area, this has been a journey over 30 years. I got the tithing, but that stepping into the more is a trust thing. Will you trust me, Christian? Yeah, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust your word. Because it works. Yeah, and we've proved it over the years that it works. But not only trusting God and his word, but also trusting the leaders. I'll simply say this to you, because some of you are from church backgrounds and some of you don't know me from Adam. You have no idea who I am. 
And you have no idea in many ways who David and Jeanette are. We're getting to know one another, which is wonderful. But I want to tell you, they are trustworthy, and so am I. We've proved it. We try and be accountable in all areas, and particularly in the area of finance. We're transparent with our accounts. We're honest with our dealings. We don't file late. We file on time. We're fully audited. We have a finance team. I mean, this man's not going to be a yes man if you've ever had spent any time with him. Neither is he difficult. But if he's got something to say, he'll say it and has done over many, many years. And that's why I appreciate him being on the board. Because we need people like that who will keep us absolutely centred. By the way, I don't sign cheques. And I don't have access to the bank accounts. I, can't, I haven't got a safe key. I, I, I can't get any money. I wouldn't want to. That's a good place for us to be. Because you hear scary stories of pastors helping themselves to the offering. That's not our journey. That's not their journey. It's none of our journey. What I'm trying to say is, you can trust us. And if you want some time in that, then that's cool. I did say there were three things, and I've really shut my time. I, this was one of the points. All I'm going to say is this. It's also a family thing. It came to me just in the middle of the night. Christian, you've missed one point here. It's not just these three. It's a family thing. Are we part of the same family? Well, if we're part of the same family, we're all going to contribute to that family. We're all going to help one another. That's why it's not about Ilkeston and Belper or Belper and Mansfield. That's why Ilkeston, if I can really be honest, has poured literally hundreds of thousands of pounds. Some of our leaders have gulped at times over there and I've said, we're still doing it. We're still stepping into it. Giving away, sowing. Because it's a family thing. You are part of our family. You are part of the family of God called Arena Church. We thank God for Vineyard. We thank God for all the churches that run around this area, this locality. But this is our family. And if you're part of our family, then the family, if I can say this, contributes, gets involved. It's a great place to be. So legacy builders, provision, given to God. Let me just encourage you to take this brochure, have a look at it. And if you do nothing with it, then you do nothing with it. But for some people, they're going to do something with it. And I believe God's going to talk to you. (laughs) I'm not saying he's going to pour out extraordinary provision back to you. But let me tell you, you can't outgive God. God will meet your need. It's way more than that. You know, the money that we have in our bank accounts will never take with us. The only thing we can take with us is souls. I've realized that more and more and more. Souls are the only thing that we can take. And I want to be one who sows into Belper for the souls, the thousands of people, generations, families that need to be touched by the power of God. May I pray for you? Do you receive that word? Yeah, give me a wave if you receive that. encourages me. I need encouraging as well. Words like this. I don't get worked up, pumped about finances, but I want you to receive it. Because otherwise it's been a waste of 35 minutes. Stand to our feet. Come on, Andy. Stand to our feet before I hand back to David. Just open your heart to the Lord. I'm not asking. We're not going to do a pledge at this moment. Definitely not. You've just got to plot it through over the next few weeks. And talk to the guys. I've done what I've needed to do, the Lord said to me every time. It started many years ago. You just say to them and then leave it with me. So I get pretty pumped up about messages like this, as you can tell. But once I've done it, I'll relax this afternoon and I'm going to watch my team get into the Champions League. 
by God's grace. Okay, that's where I'm going to be. I will not give this another thought. I'm just release the word to you and say, God, you do what you need to do in our hearts. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. So Father, we thank you. That wonderful verse, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave everything for us. Why would we hold anything back from you? And Lord, if there's areas in our lives where we hold back from you, not just money, our worship, our devotion, our time with you, then speak to us. Speak to your people. We don't want to hold anything back. We don't want anything in the way. And particularly in the area of finance, we certainly don't want to give anything back because Lord, it's all for you. We have to recognize everything we have is given from you anyway. They're all gifts. (laughs) Wonderful gifts that we're stewards of. We're not owners. We're just stewarding them for such a small amount of time. And I pray, Lord, that that would be a word. This word would be laid deep in deep soil in Belper. That from this campus, there would overflow an extraordinary generosity, even out of extreme poverty at times. And Lord, that we do it because we know that we're impacting and affecting generations to come in Jesus name we ask it so release your word and your blessing upon every person there in Jesus name before David comes can I